Welcome to Radically Transparent, the number one podcast for the modern day marketer, presented by Octopost, the only social media and employee advocacy solution architected for B2B. Each episode shines a light on the inner workings of B2B leadership, including what keeps successful CEOs, CMOs, and VPs up at night professionally. The conversations are real, raw, and authentic, all while revealing the unfiltered, not-so-known truths of today's most interesting marketers. Introducing your host, Jennifer Gutman. Hello, world. My next guest is absolutely no stranger to the world of B2B marketing. A DMA B2B council member, member, a regular super brands judge, and a proud advocate for raising the profile of B2B marketing around the globe, please join me today in welcoming the CEO of Webio to the show. Kirsty Daw, are you ready to get radically transparent with me? Gosh, Jen, yes. After that intro and the, um, the enthusiasm that I got there, I feel very ready. Yes. Yeah. Really looking forward to joining you on the podcast today. Thank you, Kirsty. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm going to make this small little public service announcement. Um, and I'm sure many of us who are working from home can relate. But um, I just saw some of our landscapers walking outside of my window. So if you happen to hear a lawnmower or some loud noise in the background, I just wanted to preface um, that that's what it is. Everything is okay. But <laughs> now that that's out there in the world, um, back to the show, Kirsty. You know, looking at your LinkedIn profile and our audience knows that's really where I go to get all the dirt and the good stuff from our guests. Your background is quite fascinating. And to kick off the show, what I was hoping is you could actually give us a brief look at your professional journey and how you actually found yourself as CEO of Webio. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, it is. I suppose it is quite an eclectic journey. Um starters I am a marketer at heart that's where my love is and in my pretty much my whole career has been in marketing and particularly in in b2b marketing I've always been I think you know I'm going to show my age I've always been a real advocate for for measurable direct marketing that's where I grew up that's what I've always done and um you know worked client side for a number of years but um really where I suppose I grew my career to the next level was when I worked for Really B2B. So that um, B2B marketing agency, award-winning, still award-winning, I love watching them do what they do now. Um, We um, brought measurable marketing to the the B2B space um, in the UK and Europe that, you know, we worked with a great range of brands, everyone from businesses like um, Travel Lodge, Nespresso, and um, really supporting those guys in the B2B space. And, you know, we had actually, as well as working with pure B2B brands, we had a good niche in um, B2C brands who really wanted to harness B2B and get it right. And they would come to us for that. So I know B2B marketing inside now. And actually, my journey with Webio. It's kind of come about because of the team that I've worked with. I mean, you you know this from being at Octopus such a long time. When you when you find your happy pet place with a group of leaders and people that you work with, you never want to leave that that space. And when I built up Really B two B, it was alongside another company um, called Market Makers with the same leadership team that we have in Webio and the group of brands that we've got there. And we built up those two businesses, 
and we sold them um, to to Central Media, and and that was great and successful. And I and I stayed with um, the agency for quite some time after that because um, I love B two B marketing. I love my people. I love the agency. And the journey to Webio was kind of a bit surreal because I. I heard about the, the product and Paul, who, who's group CEO, you know, he talks to me a, a lot about what the company were doing. And I was like, this is like really sexy. Like, I really like the sound of this. Obviously, I knew about the other group products and they were all great. But this one, this one excited me. And I, I would go and talk to customers and clients and I would find myself talking about Webio and they shared my enthusiasm. They were like, Wow, really? You can personalize your website to a visitor by like their industry, by the size they are. As soon as they visit the website, I was like, yeah, yeah, you can. And so naturally, I think, you know, it comes back to what you were saying about being um, an influencer when we, when we spoke before. Naturally, I just found myself talking to customers about it. And then naturally, customers were like, we're interested. Can we buy this web? And I had no real connection um, to the organization apart from my relationship. Um, with the leadership team, obviously, I was overrunning Webio, and but I did know at some point that I would want to go back to my happy place and be be with that team. And then Paul called me up one day and said, "I've got an opportunity for you." And I was like, well, "Tell me about this." And he spoke about Webio, and I was like, "Perfect," because I knew I already had a passion for it, and I can't do anything unless I really believe that it is going to make a difference to, you know, whoever is buying it. The same with the agency, you know, I've talked to customers and I, you know, I genuinely knew that we would be the best people to help them with this. And I just love the Webio product. He was like, I want you to come in and run this. And I think because I was a marketer, I saw it from a different lens, um, but I'd run a business, you know, I'd run multiple businesses. So I was able to bring that side of it, I understood the sales side of things. I understood retention I understood what the marketer was trying to achieve, um, you know, in product. So um, I went across to Webio and, you know, the rest is history. I'm still very much in touch with the guys in the agency. But yeah, I mean, I'm very, very lucky to be doing what I, what I do. Very lucky indeed. I can feel your enthusiasm and your passion, you know, through the Zoom screen. Uh, and for those listening, you know, we've thrown out Webio quite a few times. And could you do us some, uh, you know, a little bit of justice and just uh, throw out what is Webio? What value does Webio bring to your customers? Just yeah. so level yeah. setting on the same page. Of course, of course. Well, I think in a nutshell, let's be really clear. What Webio does is it, brings our customers more leads. That that is what it does. I mean explain how it does it in a minute. But I mean, because we know like we're we're B2B marketers, we don't buy something unless there's a good commercial reason for it. It doesn't just it's not just because it makes us feel warm and fluffy. Ultimately, it drives a measurable increase in leads for our customers. Um, and the way it does does that is through allowing our customers to personalize their website to different audiences when they arrive on the site, which ultimately leads to a measurable increase in conversion. So we have customers seeing like 100% uplift plus in conversion when they are personalizing their website to that B2B audience versus a non-personalized version. And I think, you know, the reason that's so important is because 
everything that we're doing as B2B marketers now, ultimately there isn't one single thing that do that wouldn't drive traffic to our website. You know, so that is that is our that is our shop window. That's where our buyers go. And sadly enough, even before they get there, they're doing all of this research on us outside of our website. So they've already formed an opinion of us when they get there, be that good or bad. Hopefully it's good. But when they do get there and we've worked so hard together, we need to make sure that we give them the best possible experience to convert them because we know they've got choices. You know, it's not like they have to talk to a salesperson to get all of that information now. They will collect as much as they can before even requesting a demo. So we're spending hundreds of thousands of pounds driving traffic to our website. And I was thinking, I I spoke to, actually, I've got a, a good friend who's in CRO, Conversion Rate Optimization, the other day, and he was like, why are we happy that like 90% of our visitors aren't converting? Like, why are we okay with that? And it's really true, isn't it? Like, like, you know, we're spending a fortune on paid search and media and webinars and all of those things to drive traffic. And we go, yay, you know, like we're happy with like a 5%. I mean, that would be good, like a 5% conversion. And there's all of this other traffic that for whatever reason, we're not, Converting, and obviously that there, there are lots of different tools that you can use there. We have like A/B testing to improve conversion rate optimization, which exists with as a as a module within our product too. Um, but the personalization element is, you know, buyers are short of time. Yeah. Give them the right content at the right time as soon as they hit the website, so that they choose you above the other vendor that they're going to go to. And um. Also, because those B2B buyers are used to getting a personalized experience. You know, they're they're on Amazon. They they come home from work on a Friday night and they log on to Netflix and there's recommendations. Like they expect that personalized experience, but they get this super generic website. And and as marketers, we're personalizing everything else. You know, we're personalizing our emails. We've got these great sexy ABM campaigns that are personalized, but the website is so generic. And I think about it like a salesperson, like imagine if you've worked this hard and you get like a salesperson, your customer goes to see and they know zero about their business. They take ages to get them the right information. Um, you know, it, it makes their, it wastes their time. It's like, that's what a generic website is doing. So what Webio does is it identifies in real time a buyer and it can do that using IP data. It can also use our customers' first party data from their HubSpot, their Marketo or their Pardot. And as soon as that buyer hits the website, we can serve a personalized experience based on things like their industry, their size, where they're based, even where they are in the sales funnel. You know, if they've already requested a demo, let's not ask them to request another demo. Let's do something different. And so the buyer has their life made easier for them. They're helped. And that's what we all want, right? We want to be taken to the right stuff as soon as possible. Absolutely. And you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because so I feel like as marketers, right? Like you said, our main goal, get people to the website. I mean, I think at every KPI, OKR is like one of those goals you have is get people to the website. But the grand question is like, once they get there, then what? And And we see it even too from a social perspective, right? We're doing so much work pumping and creating social messages for our audiences across social, right? Essentially to help them get to our website. Um, And then once they get to our website, even like 
thinking about our website, right? Do, are we using open graph meta tags? Uh, so those images appear nicely on social. Sometimes no, right? Like, so it's like the, all these things about like, exactly what you said. If the website was a salesperson, wouldn't look so great if you're bringing everybody to that salesperson and they don't quite know what to do with that prospect. So that would in itself keep me up at night. So I'm glad I'm not in your shoes, but I actually want to hear from you directly at this moment, you know, with, with all of this kind of, wow, 90% not converting, right? Uh, how do you get people to your website? Check. What do we do with them once they get check? Like what is actually keeping you as CEO up at night professionally? These yeah. Days? So, yeah, and I think this is a really interesting question because based on, I suppose, my background and how I've grown up in the marketing space, I would say the typical things that might keep her, um, I'm talking about this from a marketing perspective right now, rather than like a marketing (laughs) CEO perspective. Throwing at us. Like like driving ROI and attribution and all those things, like we're not bad at. And you know what? The other thing that we're good at is... (laughs) Our sales and marketing teams are really well aligned. Like we know what good looks like from a a demo perspective and all of that kind of stuff. So those are the typical things that you might expect me to say. And those are good for us, which is, you know, a fortunate position to be. And I think where we're really focused is, and I think what does keep me awake on that is we we know who our ideal customers are, Mm -hmm. which is so important in SaaS because everything that we do has to be about retention. And our ICPs, our ideal customer profile, that is those businesses that we have identified that, you know, based on a number of key characteristics, Webio is a no-brainer for. Like, these customers need Webio. Like, like they, you know, they have all of the elements and characteristics that mean that Webio would absolutely make their, their website fly. And for me, it's just about how do we get in front of those customers in the right way at the right time? Um, And also then once we are there, like how do we convert them? Because, you know, it's all well and good knowing exactly who they are, but we need to create the messaging that really resonates with them. And, um, you know, not all of these I think we're in a space where we're still educating. People understand personalization works. They don't really understand website personalization. We're still educating businesses about that. So one, how do we educate them? And then how do we get them feel feeling like, yes, I've got to do that. And, um, you know, I do, we do a lot of reading, obviously. One of my favorite books is Crossing the Chasm. And um, they talk a lot about, you know, you, you get customers who are like early adopters, you know, they're, they're up for trying something new. But most of our ICPs and the types of customers that will provide us with that longevity and um, the retention that we're looking for, they're more pragmatist buyers. They need to know other people are doing this. And, you know, so it's a big strategic piece. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not a case of, going, right, okay, so we know who they are. Right, let's just go out and get some demos because the messaging has to be right so that when they come to us, they're prepared and they understand what what we're going to talk about. We have to get the right team to do the demo for them. We have to, you know, sell to them in the right way that really resonates for them. And we have to give them reassurance that, you know, there are other, you know, there's that 
social proof. There's like, I need to see other customers that look like me. But people are much more picky now about who looks like them. It's not a case of going, other enterprise businesses are doing this. It's like, okay, like who? It needs to be like, who in my sector is doing this? Who, like, like who of my competitors? Like, I want to know who I look to and value that is doing this. And so that is a piece of work that, that we really need to kind of deliver on and, um, you know, not create what we call any scorched stuff. Like, we've really got to get it right. Um, so it's, it's strategic, even though it's a, you know, it's a numbers thing and you know who those customers are. You've got to think about all the messages along the way to to deliver that that opportunity and then convert that that opportunity. And um, I suppose website. I was, I was thinking about this when um, we spoke the other day. Website personalization does play quite nicely into it because if you know who your ICPs are, great. Well, actually, you know the messages that are going to be important to them when they hit your site. It's it's, it's like ABM. But potentially your your ICP is is bigger than just a number of key accounts. It's just the right messaging at the right time all the way along that customer journey. Mm -hmm. And it's constantly evolving because as your product evolves, so does your ICP evolve. So it's like you never lose sight of that. It's not just one piece of work and then you're done. It's like, right, this is our ICP today. This is who we're focused on, right? When do we revisit that? When do we revisit it? So that is probably one of the major challenges that, that keeps me awake at night. Listen, I, I don't think you're alone in that. I mean, it, it sounds so easy, right? And for most marketers, it's not so hard to identify the right people, your ICP, but putting it into action to actually reach them, as you said, with like basic marketing, right? Identifying and then reaching them at the right time with the right message. That's where the fun comes in, right? That's why we, we all have jobs, but it's, it's a challenge. Could you share with us maybe some of the exercises that you do with your team or with the executive team that helps you get or identify the ICP or the ever-changing ICP at Webio? Yeah. So um, first of all, we we talk a lot. So, and I think that's really important for, for a leadership team. You know, we do twice weekly actually. Um leadership meetings and one of those is more kind of like metrics focused and the other one's more strategic and and that's when we talk about customers and you know how the product is developing what customers are asking for and then those are the when we're going through like okay what does that ICP look like and building out the ICP for us was not just something everyone thinks this is a marketing's job it's absolutely not in fact for us, the ICP was driven as much by customer success as anything because the, the customer success team were able to say to us, based on data and insight and also customer conversations, like these are the customers that are getting great results from Webio and this is how they're doing it. And so then we were able to look at common characteristics for those customers. And so it came from customer success because for us, it's about retention. Like there is no point in winning a customer if we're not going to retain them. So we need to understand what makes good yeah. retention, like what characteristics. So it came, and then we just had a discussion as a team and we mapped out, okay, well, what does that look like? Like what are the key characteristics? You know, is it size of organization? Um, what does their team look like? You know, where are they based? All of that stuff. And then we use marketing 
And, you know, there are so many great tools out there, like what technology do these brands have? You know, what's the, the um, where's the organization based? Um, what does their website look like? What are they spending on paid search, et cetera? There's so much stuff that we can find out there. So marketing, we're really focused on building out that, that database. And then we all sat together and said, right, okay, are we in agreement that this is what it looks like? And obviously there are other cohorts of customers that that we will and we have, but we have this like ideal customer profile. And, and then we're measuring that and we're saying, right, how many demos are we doing with those types of customers and um, the conversion all the way through to sales. So that's really important. The other thing that we encourage a lot is um, customer calls, um, but the whole exec team doing them. So not just products jumping on the phone to customers, but actually so, I mean, sales talk to customers all the time. So does CS, but they talk to them in a different way. So it's actually just jumping on the phone to customers, getting feedback and actually understanding in their language why they're using WebEO and how they're using WebEO. And then we share that back with the, the rest of the leadership team. The other thing that we have that um, is a work in progress um, but that we are able to share with the leadership team is what we call joint customer success plans. So we're establishing like what makes Webio successful for our customers. Like what are the key measures that they have in place at the start of any relationship? And then as we get adoption of the product and we see them using it, how are they actually realizing that success? And we review those as well. So if there is something that comes out of that, that we're like, oh, we didn't think about customers using it like that. That's a new idea. Then that can go back into, you know, our ICP feedback and then do we develop it further? So it's definitely just getting really, really close to customers and understanding a bit like what you said, what keeps them awake at night? Like, why, why did they buy this? Yeah, yeah. And not just why did they buy that, but how are they going to be measured internally because then that helps us think about like, what do we need to focus on in product in terms of reporting and attribution? Because just because we think it's this, if they've got to go to their board and say this, this and this, we need to give them that. They shouldn't be sitting there with our calculators working it out. It needs to be there. So, um, yeah, those structured interviews are really, really valuable. I like those. I like those a lot. So before we shift into another topic, I want to ask you if you could give one and only one top tip to another executive team member when it comes to understanding and building out your ICP, what would that top tip be? Talk to your customers. (laughs) (laughs) That is it. Like get on a call. Like don't read about what they've said. Don't look at feedback. Get on a call with a customer and hear it in their language. Like that is, that is, and it doesn't have to be a specific call just where you're getting feedback. Just join a regular monthly call cadence and like hear what your customers are saying. That is like beyond valuable. I love that. I love the power pause also. Like before you said it, you like build up the suspense, right? Get on the phone with customers. I love it. So listen, speaking of customers, right? The buyer journey, we all know, has changed. And I think we've seen this trend, you know, anyone in B2B marketing, this is no news, right? We've all been seeing that the B2B marketing or the B2B buyer rather journey has changed. Um, And we know that customers now have a super powerful voice. And and, in many areas, they're, as you said, they're leading the conversation. They're doing the research. They have expectations 
expectations before they even come to your website about what they're going to find. And before they speak to someone, they know what they want to speak about. So in, in Webio, how is social media playing a role in your marketing strategy and what does it look like right now? Yeah, so I think we've definitely identified that having a, a well, owning your social presence, let's just say owning, like owning your social presence and being there to respond to your social presence is a hygiene factor. Like whether that be, you know, in your own platforms or on third party platforms, you have to participate in the conversation. Like, you know, that, that, that just happens nowadays. And um, owning that and being responsive to that and almost driving that is where I would say where we are. Um, so the in B2B, I suppose, the review sites like G2, Trustpilot, Bible. all of that, even, even Glassdoor, like they're incredibly important to how a customer perceives your brand before they do business with you. And, you know, watching those and looking at those and looking at what your customers are saying and the feedback that they're giving is really important because you know that your future customer is also looking at that. And well, yes, you're responding to your customers and you're going to make changes to the product. And that's going to help us really, really, um, you know, drive customer success, which is important. We also need to be prepared for what new customers are going to ask us. So if we can see, here's some of the common challenges and things that people are saying, we can make sure that we're prepared to respond to that. Um, So it's just like, you know, taking part in the conversation, good and bad. Yeah. And, you know, being aware that that's happening. Um, I would say we need to, you know, looking at, you know, like online events, online discussions now, I think that's going to be a big part of our product development in future. Um, forums and things like that where we we have, hear people, marketers, talking about common challenges that they've got. Um you know, we need to do more of that. I don't think we're as good at that yet. And we've kind of just, we've just nailed what I would call the hygiene factors. And now we're like, right, okay, how do we start to drive this? Because as a brand, we need to do more than just, you know, tick boxes. We need to really take part in the conversation with everybody. And so I think that's, that's where we'll go next. Interesting. And we're going to have our eyes on you, right? Because social media is so public. So everybody turn to Webio, go give them a, a follow on LinkedIn. And we're going to keep up with what Kirsty is doing. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as the webinar or webinar, wow, you see what's on my mind. As the podcast comes down to the end, I have two more questions for you before we get to my favorite one. Um, but one of them is, I think, as the world has shifted kind of zooming outside of the B2B marketing world for a moment. But when we talk about diversity and we talk about inclusion and we talk about some of these very um, important topics that we're seeing, whether it's being discussed, you know, by brands or on social media or internally or externally, right? What advice would you give to fellow women in leadership roles? Okay. Yeah, this is, this, this is a, yeah, my, I've I've got, I've got a really good point I'd like to share on this one because there is something about women in leadership that makes us really good at what we do. And that is, and and that is also a negative for us as well. It is the fact that even when we get into leadership roles, 
we constantly doubt ourselves and we constantly feel that we need to prove ourselves. Even when we're here with like 20 years of experience, the woman is always like, I just need to prove myself. I just need to prove myself. And I would say to, well, I think it's really important never to be complacent and always to be growing and always honing your craft and getting better and learning more. That's really important. Like we also need to have confidence that we are here for a reason. We were chosen for this role. We are in this leadership role because we are good and we don't have to prove ourselves in this role. And that, that would be my, that would, because I think, you know, if we didn't worry about proving ourselves so much, we might relax a bit more and then add more value in a way that we're really meant to. Um, but women definitely have this habit of like, well, I need to get it done. I need to get it done. I need to be, and it's just in us. Well, it's certainly in me. And it's something that I've learned over time is like, and it's, it's hard because, you know, I think the fact that we do want to prove ourselves and push ourselves hard actually makes us great at what we do. But it's like balancing that with like, you don't always have to prove yourself. You are here and you are good feel confident and then and then move on so that would be one of the things and I I know having spoken to other spoken to other female leaders that they share that one and then my other bits of advice would be you know get a great support network around you outside of the business so like (laughs) um if you can get people to do the stuff you don't want to do get a cleaner get a you know all this like if you've got kids like 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 I have you want to you'll cherish time when you're at home you want to be with them so get as much help as you can to do the stuff that you really don't want to do um, because then because your time is so precious and we women want to do it all so find if where you can somebody to do the rest of it because you don't that you're not attached to doing that and then get, get a great um network of women, women around you as well like we all I would advise every woman to have a mentor or a coach. Like we all need someone to sound off and to speak to and to look up to that sits perhaps outside of the business that's just like a safe place where you can just sound off with. Um, But those are all things that I've found particularly useful. I love it. Thank you for sharing those. The second to last question, because I think you've shared with us a lot of interesting insights, um, the the advice and, you know, to, to give to fellow women leaders, I love. So who are you following? Uh, what brands or individuals do you look for for when you're looking for inspiration or who do you think is doing cool things that maybe we should go follow to? Yeah. Oh, well, from, from a B2B perspective, I, you know, like, obviously this is going to be quite, quite obvious stuff. So I, 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 I think HubSpot, I've got it so right. Like, I really love what, yeah, yeah I really love what HubSpot do. Like there is, you know, from a content perspective, I think, you know, you know, and they're really going into the CRM space. You know, they, they, they've got that down and I really admire um, what they've done. Um, I, you know, I see there are a lot of B2B, B2B brands out. I mean, Drift is another one that's doing, um, you know, really cool things. I think I'm always surprised by the amount of B2B brands I didn't know. Um, you know, but then, you know, HubSpot, Marketo, that, that, oh, and obviously Salesforce, like those are the guys that you admire and you look to for like, this, this is what good looks like. And then I suppose on a personal level, um, I, I'm listening, actually, I'm listening to Limitless by Jim Quick at the moment. And, right. 
absolutely love what what he does and he talks about the power of the brain and how unlimited we are and I think he's absolutely fascinating follow him a lot on social um also Simon Sinek yeah all of his social stuff like big fan big fan there on LinkedIn on Instagram and then the other person that I follow from a from a personal perspective I feel very inspired by and guided by and um to is um Gabrielle Bernstein I don't know if you've heard of her no so she no so she's written a lot of very famous books like um around like the law of attraction manifestation so she's written the universe has your back super okay. attractor um and you know you just find those individuals that you just connect with and you think I hear what you're saying and like it really resonates with me she's just one of those for me so I always feel very inspired by her when I follow her and her content fantastic so I think I have a new list of uh, my Friday follows that I always go to try to find new inspiration so thanks for that list my last question for you Christy and it's my absolute favorite question to ask our guests um, when it comes to LinkedIn right there's so much that we can learn about our peers about our competitors about our colleagues if we just take the moment to look at their LinkedIn profile but I think what's also fascinating about social media is who you are on LinkedIn doesn't always accurately accurately represent who you are in real life so what's one thing you can tell us about yourself that we can't find out from simply looking at your LinkedIn profile well, there's tons. <laughs> I would say um, I I love to I love to dance. I was a dancer when I was younger, and I'm now living my dance career vicariously through my daughters. Um, but I um, I used to live in Scotland when I was younger. You can see that in my LinkedIn profile. But when I was twelve, I was Scottish tap champion. What? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Random one. So I do throw that one out there because um, I literally, I, I do miss, I really miss dance and with business and children, it's very hard to try and fit that in. Um, but that was, is my passion. I, my passion now is watching my daughters do it. Someday maybe I'll get back to it myself. But um, yeah, I think you know dancing and music and it's just a great way to express yourself um yeah so um well, yeah that's so probably do, do, you still, <laughs> do you still have your tap shoes and and, and was it oh, a, a, I, have, <laughs> I have the fun I do like I have a funny story on this it's actually very current because so I do still have my tap shoes somewhere in the loft right but my daughter is learning a, a tap duet for her competition and she was showing it to me and I was tapping in my trainers in the kitchen trying to um show her where she was missing beats and stuff and my husband obviously watched me and so for valentine's day he bought me a new pair of tap shoes all right so, so I, I, <laughs> the next question new pair of tap shoes. <laughs> are you on tiktok i mean can we be expecting me no no i never <laughs> goodness I danced way before TikTok ever existed and I have nothing like that and never will have anything like that but it's just um yeah it's you know we all have when we're not one-dimensional individuals we're not career women we're not mothers we're not what all of those things and I'm always fascinated by the individuals who I meet as well and what they do that makes them them aside from just being at work so yeah 
Christy, thank you so much for getting radically transparent with me today. I wish you the most success. We look forward to seeing what Webio is up to. Um, I wish your daughters the most success in their in their dance competitions. I know the pressure is on um, as a former <laughs> dancer myself. So sending all this strength, hope they come out with, you know, with wins. Um, anyone listening in, they want to maybe speak and learn a little bit more about women in leadership or they are dying to get their hands on Webio. What's the best place and where to reach you? Yeah, well, do you know what? Like LinkedIn, let's go social. Like, please, you know, women. I'm very passionate about women in leadership, and I do a lot of mentoring with the, the guys in in our workplace. Actually, if anyone has any questions on that stuff, always happy to respond to them and answer those on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So just reach out and message me. I'm very comfortable with that. And the same with Webio. Um, if you want to know anything about Webio. Just reach out to me on LinkedIn. I can set you up with a demo. I can talk you through, you know, the product myself. Like, really happy to hear from anyone. Um, I'm a very social individual. (laughs) Christy, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Radically Transparent podcast brought to you by Octopost, the only social media management and employee advocacy platform architected for B2B. I'm Jennifer Gutman, your host and director of social strategy here at Octopost. And if you love today's show, we'd love if you subscribe, rate, and give a raving review wherever you get your podcasts. For more discussion on B2B social media marketing, be sure to follow Octopost on LinkedIn. And of course, to gain access to all our free social media marketing and employee advocacy resources, head on over to our website, www.octopost.com. Until next time.